Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 10 of the Pro Video Podcast. I'm Blair Walker. This week we have Chris Babotis from Metal. I really enjoyed talking with Chris about the future of VR and 360 video specifically, but also we touch on AR and where the industry might be heading. He gives some insight into where Metal are going with their product line, but also what they're currently developing as well. Alright, let's go to the interview now with Chris Babotis from Metal. Thanks, Chris, for coming on the Pro Video Podcast. Awesome to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you for having us, Claire. I feel like an excited schoolboy to have one of the <laughs> industry legends in the suite with us. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Hardly a legend, Blair, just doing what we can. You've got a lot of um, experience in the industry, but what Metal have done in the last few years is a complete pivot and a reinvention of the direction of the company. So I wanted to sort of jump straight into Skybox and the VR tools that Metal is offering. Could you explain to the audience what are the tools that are available now? Sure. So we started with offerings for After Effects about 16 months ago. And in both my virtual and physical travels, uh, by that I mean I spent a lot of time on Skype talking to the community and helping wherever I could, um, we quickly realized that Anybody that was involved in 360, and remember at the time it's strictly After Effects offerings that we had, uh, they were getting inundated with work. So I'm talking about both uh, you know, the one-man shops, the mom-and-pop shops, through to the bigger companies that were taking the medium very, very seriously. So we thought one of the best things that we can do is bring a lot of the functionality that we had in After Effects into Premiere Pro because it's a faster rendering environment. And a lot of the tasks that we saw people doing, like simple rig removals, adding logos, text, things like that, nothing too complex. A lot of that you can do in Premiere Pro. So even if you were a one-man shop, if you can spend 75% of your time in Premiere Pro and then just go to After Effects where there's a compelling reason to do so, it was phenomenal. It was just a great time saver. So, so we started in After Effects, started moving things over to Premiere Pro, spent a little more time there, in, in Premiere Pro land, we started to build transitions. We started to move a lot of our code into what Adobe calls their GPU renderer. Um, so although we always wrote to the GPU, there's a specific and distinct path that if you follow, you get real-time performance. Basically, you sort of fall in line with exactly what Adobe's doing. So I don't want to get into too geeky of a discussion, but basically we did invest a lot of our time moving it from specific GPU languages to things that are more pertinent to the Adobe ecosystem. This is why we get such great performance. Which is something that Adobe have been working on themselves over the last few years, moving more more of the features to GPU yes. to enhance those. Yes. I myself have worked with a project which was a mixture of working on After Effects and Premiere, and I was moving all the elements back into Premiere to recomposite. Correct. Because back at that point when I was using version 1 of Skybox, my my machine just wasn't powerful enough in After Effects to do the processing. But when I took those elements into Premiere, combined them all, very much like we used to do back yep. in the day, then I was getting real-time performance and I could move the elements to the creator's desire. Yep. So what's, what's happening and what you're going to see more of without breaking any NDAs is if you have worked with the most recent versions of After Effects as of, let's say, December, January this year, right? 
Um, there's been a lot of work under the hood on After Effects to move it to that same GPU render. So this year, you're going to start seeing that you already have, and you will continue to see a much faster and faster and faster After Effects as a result of that. So this was, although, you know, our bread and butter is really After Effects. It's not so much Premiere Pro yet, right? I think they're going to go neck and neck later um, in terms of sales and revenue for the company. We know and love After Effects very, very well. So you're going to see an incredibly richer experience in After Effects this year. Excellent. It's interesting to say that you're expecting Premiere to develop as a field. And I'm, I'm thinking of the latest releases for spring 2017 that the essential graphics that are available in Premiere combined with the power of um, Skybox is really going to offer a lot of people what they need. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, you, there's a new titler in, uh, in, in uh, Premiere Pro. You started to see um, spatial audio support in the form of amb- ambisonic ingestion, right? So I think that's huge for Adobe to do because, I mean, there's still a lot of work left to do in spatial audio when it comes to Premiere Pro and, and, and Audition potentially, but adopting ambisonics, even to begin with, shows commitment. And that's important, mm-hmm. right? When big companies like Adobe, like Facebook, start to validate this medium, it's incredible, right? It's yeah. just, it just the medium's here to stay. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, totally. Um, that support and backing is really prevalent in what Facebook have announced at F8 this year as well, that yep. their commitment to this medium is really obvious with the announcement of the X6 and the X24. Yep. We're, we're, we're very excited about that, and we're very proud to have been selected by Facebook to collaborate on, on all that is depth-based tools. You know, I, I had a discussion with people at NAB, I'm not naysayers, but skeptics. Let's say people that were kind of skeptical about this whole claim of six DOF, six degrees of freedom, etc. You know, no one's claiming that this is light fields. No, no one's claiming that this is full volumetrics. What I do love personally for for the medium is that this shows again another level of validation and commitment by Facebook to to this medium. This you can't do depth. And, and think that you can, you know, just touch on it and then walk away from it. This is a longer term commitment. So what we're seeing short term, the net result is, to me, validation once again from a, a big player in, in Facebook I'm referring to. Um, I think Google will follow suit as well and other big big players will follow suit as well and, and just join in this, this, this whole exercise. But so that's one aspect that I found very, very important. The other aspect, six degrees of freedom this is what, what, what I wanted to say is, although it's not light fields, although it's not full volumetric, it's, it's going to make for a richer experience. There's no doubt. So a lot of people at first won't quite understand what they saw when they're experiencing this in the player, especially, but they'll feel it. Yeah. The, the experience will be richer. So one of the things that I, the discussions that, that came about with the skeptics is, well, Chris, it's not quite light fields. It's not quite this. It's not quite that. Well, my argument is, you know what? If you come to the show floor and start talking to people, we only showed the tip of the iceberg of what we're up to with depth-based tools and just showing depth of field storytelling device just showing depth of field and showing depth-based masking people were extremely excited already because it makes their life easier and helps them tell a story in the space right 
So no one's making these huge claims that this is light fields. This is, this is a great first step towards volumetrics with a solid commitment by a, a company like Facebook. So for the audience, um, six degrees of freedom is not only along the X and Y axis of roll, pitch and yaw, it's also uh, moving along, panning, yep. moving forward, so up and down. So you're seeing slightly around objects, Correct. which is a technique that a lot of people using After Effects will know from taking a still image, cutting it out and not replacing the whole background, but just adding a little bit in the edge. So when you do move it slightly, it feels like you have that depth. So it's a similar kind of concept to that, isn't it? Correct. And I mean, as I said, it's not something that you'll immediately see. It won't hit you in the face as this wonderful, huge effect. It's something that you'll feel more than see to begin with, right? And to me, stereo without depth is not much anyway, right? As soon as you start introducing true depth into the equation, it becomes phenomenal, just so much richer yeah. as, as a viewing experience. Not only for the viewing experience, but the ability to focus an audience's attention yes. by normal cinematic tools, which we have for depth of field, such as blur, but yep. actually bringing that into the 360 VR experience as well. Correct. So, as I said, with very simple tech demos at the NAB show floor, uh, we once again very proudly stole the show. When, and, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. Wait till you see what's, what's coming in, in these tools. It's incredible. My reflection upon NAB is that you bring such a wealth of showcasing what the tools enable people to do. You're not just selling the product, you're showing what people are doing with the product and that just says so much about how you as a company operate with also the resources that you provide on your own site. It's You not only provide the tools, but the ways that people can learn how to use them and educate themselves for free. Well, that's, that's, that's huge for us because I keep saying, what is the point in, I don't know, 50 or 60,000 lines of code? They, they, meet, they do nothing in and of themselves. It's what people create with those products, right? Code is the source code, of course, that I'm referring to that makes up our products, right? Or some of our products. There's a much more interest and much more power in showcasing what is done with them. And we're always, I have to say, we're all so pleasantly surprised. You know, you can create something and think that you know the boundaries. Wow. I couldn't even imagine some of the things that have been like done when we were planning these products out. It's, it's incredible. The use base is incredible. Uh, this started last year at NAB for us where we were not big believers in these trade show things because a lot of them, you know, I personally hated them where you walk in and this, it's this canned demo and you know that somebody's just tired of repeating the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I sort of sat with Nancy and I said, and I pictured this and I said, is this really what we want to do? Even there was a, though there was a compelling reason for us to be at NAB last year because of the tool set and, and even so this year. So I turned to Nancy back then and I said, instead of getting me on a soapbox and having me quack about our products, you know, why don't we just open up the whole booth to customers and let them come in with their own productions much like we were looking at together with your your production just before we started and have them just come in with gear vrs or whatever it is right and have them talk about their products informally nancy said wow this is a great idea and give nancy something like this and she just makes an epic performance out of it right so instead she formalized the whole thing and she structured it and she had 
I think last year we were up to like 20 people presenting in three and a half days. That's a person every half an hour. It's huge. It, it's massive. What ended up happening last year is, first of all, the people that were interested, right? We just put it out there on Facebook and said, hey, anybody want to come and showcase your stuff? We're offering up our booth. We're not even going to do demos, basically, right? It's your show. So a lot of people volunteered. They brought their work. And this is all good intent, Blair, okay, what I'm about to say. Um, so a lot of them would put together presentations, and it was all about how great Skybox is and wonderful, and it saved my life, and I don't know what, right? And I'm not making fun of them. This was genuine, and it's all good intent. But I think Nancy and I sat down and looked at this and said, that's not right. That's not the right tone. That's not what people want to hear about. You're not there to promote Skybox. You're there to tell people what you learned. That's way more important. Where did you mess up and how did you fix that? You don't even really need to talk about our products, yeah. right? Talk about which camera you use. Talk about techniques that you used with your actors, for example, right? And it was, we stole the show last year, Black. And it's really important, I think, for people who are producing the work to hear those stories. Yes. Not to just see a final product and how amazing it is and how easy it was to make. Because the reality is that there's always a struggle because every job has its own challenges to face. To hear that they're from these people that are producing great work, that yes, Skybox helped, but there are challenges and there are things to overcome. That's what everybody needs to hear to give them the motivation to continue forward. So. Absolutely. This year we said, you know, how do we better that, right? We actually did steal the show last year to the point where if you did attend NAB last year, there was the main stage on one end of the AR VR pavilion and then we had our booth at the other end. A day into it, the hosts of the ARVR Pavilion came to us and said, do you mind moving some of your speakers over to our main stage? Because the crowd would just move over to our booth, right? And we said, are you kidding? Absolutely. This is, this is a venue for the customers. This is, what, this is what it's all about, right? So we did. We actually had them move over to the main stage and, and redo the same presentation or close to the same presentation. Uh, this year, when NAB rolled around and it was time to decide... I sat down with the organizers and I said, there is absolutely no point in us fighting for this attention. Why don't we take all our customers, move them on the main stage, give them a huge venue, bigger venue than we can afford in our little booth space. And as a result, that'll liberate our space to be highly interactive. So yeah. again, there's not Chris sitting on a soapbox yakking about how great his stuff is, right? It was more about here, we, we got six workstations together uh, so there was the sort of two aspects to the to the to the booth hard to describe over over um, uh, voice only, but the, the front most part was five workstations that you can actually go and touch and feel and play with the software, and the people that were manning these stations were actually customers that volunteered. That's that was unbelievable. We couldn't believe that that happened because you can't pay people enough to be that genuine and be that passionate about what they're showing, yeah. right? And then the backmost portion, we actually had, we still had customer stories in, in the back that was sort of like uh, kind of hidden from the main stage so that they had a bit of a buffer, right, sound buffer. Um, so we did have, I think Nancy got up to 26 or 28 presentations this year, plus people on the main stage. We had Mixmaster Mike come in and perform for free. Really? Wow. Yeah. A live performance for free. And I think the big, I mean, I'm not a shy guy. I, the, the way that came about is 
there's two customers, uh, uh, Jonathan Winbush and Tony Washington. So they're, they've been doing great work for Mixmaster Mike and 360 VR. They've been winning all kinds of awards. We got along very well. We met in person at Adobe Max. And what we did is we gave Tony and John access to early betas of a lot of stuff that you, got, you guys are going to see over the next six to nine months coming in from us. And I think Mike was touched by how much, how giving we were of our time and, and, our, and, and our resources, basically, to, to help shape that project that he was into now. And so when I turned around and spoke to his manager and to Mike, and I said, hey, if you're around, would you mind coming by and just doing a quick live performance and we'll get John and Tony back out on the main stage? Immediately said yes. Yeah. So that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. How do you accomplish these things unless you're genuine about everything, right? Yeah, and it's something that makes me really proud about our industry, yeah. that everyone who's giving, whether it's participating or showing work, all of this just sort of resonates with me the more and more I talk to people in the industry. Everyone is collaborative and encouraging and supportive, and it makes me really proud to be working. S- same here, same here. I, I mean, a, a great uh, story to that effect, Blair, is you know early on in the process, uh, on Facebook actually, we had stopped being we stopped being a service company and dedicated all our resources and all our attention to becoming a product company. The result of that is that we were footage poor. We we I mean we had no footage to experiment with and play with and test our software. So at one point I, I got onto Facebook and I said I just said if anybody's got some footage that they don't mind lending, we're, we promise not to use it commercially. We're just using it for testing. And I thought in a month's time I might get two clips. Four days later, I think I had over four terabytes. That's incredible. It speaks volumes about um, how people want to engage with you as a company without saying how wonderful you are again. <laughs> your tools have helped us with the work that we've done. And so we were using Skybox version one back then Thank on you. our first 360. And we wouldn't have been able to do it any other way. Um, Nuke had had workflows for quite some time, but they're quite complicated workflows to implement into... Um, into a production where the tools that Skybox offered allowed us to actually work with that content in After Effects. It was um, a GoPro rig with six yes. cameras, yep. so there was a lot of stitching involved with the Pano Giga, yep. and there's complications with that. I know that it will simplify, and that the um, cameras that are coming out, such as the X24 and all the other capture, whether it's audio or film, is only going to improve and oh, enable yes. more and more people to create high-quality, immersive, engaging 360 content. Well, no doubt. So, I mean, one of the things that I like about Facebook is that they're very open and they're all about... I mean, let's not kid ourselves. They, you know, they're, they're about making money, right? But I think a lot of what they do, like stitching, for example, they went open source with their stitching environments and some companies have already started to adopt those. So it's algorithmic stitching. It's not so much manual work anymore. Um, so one of the companies that I can cite is Zcam. I don't know if you're familiar, you're familiar with them. They came up with a stitching solution called Wonder Stitch, which is pretty darn good. So it's automated. Most of it is automated. There's still cleanup, right? Stitching is, there's no stitching solution that resolves everything. But damn, it's a lot better than it was last year, right? Which allows creative people to get to the creative part faster. Absolutely, absolutely. Is, and, and communicating and telling those stories, which yeah. is where we want to be. So Surround 360 is very much the same thing. Not to keep going back to it, but, you know, I mean, Google and Facebook are very much the same way. They're about 
creating standards. They're about making things easier. I, you know, I don't think Facebook is in the business of making or creating cameras, but they're very interested in just putting it out there and having people fly with it. And this is a bit of a, a progression on what happened last year where they were um, open sourcing the camera for people to produce. Correct. But this year they are actually in licensing that to companies to Correct. implement. Yeah. yeah. Correct. So really excited to see those announcements when they do launch later in the year as they are planned. Stepping back to Skybox, V2 was a huge development in making it even simpler for those. Oh, thank you. Um, to just get in there where you didn't have to have slightly the same level of technical ability Correct. that you did with V1. Well, V1 was really skewed to more of an intermediate intermediary and higher level um, you know, knowledge base of, of, of After Effects. It was my DIY process that made its way into a product, right? And actually, Skybox Studio version 2 was not ready to launch, but we could have launched it probably June, May, June timeframe last year. But we put it aside because people were getting comfortable with version 1, and we really thought it was important to move a lot of that code into the GPU render and working with Premiere Pro products, right? was a great experience to be able to move that code that way. So that's why you sort of saw, saw us sort of step away from After Effects for about six months or so, focus on getting everything moving in the GPU and understanding that environment very well. So we only launched Skybox, if you remember, in late October or something like that, or late October, early November. But yeah, we could have done it a lot earlier. But I think, that, you know, there's no regrets. I think at the end of the day, it just it's it's it did and it's going to continue to make the after effects offering that much richer moving forward right? yeah what i really like about that is you can prioritize as much into premiere for the workflow as you can exactly and then do the heavy lifting after effects where you need to yeah. not where it, um, having to have all of it and the updates also mean that you're not having to um, use photoshop and other programs to do cleanup yep. the the new um, features of being able to clone and fix up really do mean that you can do that heavy lifting in after effects yep. and leave it there so the, we're going to continue development you know our our rmo or our method method operanda is operandus is release a very meaningful version one or version two don't wait to create this incredible package that blows the world away. Instead, what we do is we just keep adding features and not reach out to you for upgrades. We've only reached out for like the studio went to, to studio two. I think we had 14 months between that. And if you count the number of updates, it was incredible. But, mm. you know, I mean, we only will come to you for upgrades when there's a compelling reason between the major upgrades, you'll see tremendous features being added as an example I think I'm comfortable enough to say that within the next month you'll be seeing a public beta of stereo for three for After Effects. Wow! Yeah. So and I mean stereo done right. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I, I hope people like it. It's it's going to be very powerful. Well, I'm really excited to check that out. <laughs> so I know the audience will be as well. And if you're looking to try working with 360 and VR, uh, there's a lot of content available, but even on Metal's site, there's a lot of um, content that you can work with to try this out and download the demo and have it a crack yourself. Yep. And, and I think you'll be really surprised that it's refreshing. It's not as scary as 
you might perceive it to be. It's refreshing because it's a completely different environment, even though it's still video. Yep. When you're looking through a pair of Google Cardboard, um, it's pretty easy to experience this in an immersive way. It is a different experience. Have you, have you, what sort of feedback have you had from the industry about how VR triggering different parts of the brain and it's just, it's a different state of viewing content really, isn't it? It is. And you know, I've been, I've been pondering on that for quite a while. I, I get asked, the question I get asked often is, is 360 VR an evolution of cinema? Is it a hybrid of theater versus cinema? You know, how, how, how do you see it? And it sort of talks to your question here. I, I think the closest that I've come to it is, it's the closest that I've experienced to dreaming. Yeah. That, that's really it, right? I don't dream in a frame. I live in a dream. I live in, in a 360 VR world, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> what I'm hoping will happen is we master linear storytelling in 360 VR, but hopefully we can advance to nonlinear storytelling. That, that starts to get interesting. So if you think of your dream, it's mar- much more about tone and texture and feelings than it is about a linear storyline, right? Yeah. So that, that gets very interesting from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, and I've seen some really interesting projects using 3D applications to create the content, which um, is a lot trippier, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then taking them through um, the Skybot workflows to to do your normal color corrections and blurs and the finessing of that experience. But the content doesn't have to be filmed; it can be generated in 3D. And I think there's something quite interesting about seeing that 3D content that you're mm-hmm. creating in that environment absolutely so one of the other um so we we've sort of started with the bread and butter tools called the skybox brand of you know plugins and scripts uh i think what we're going to do is with all the depth based stuff just to keep it simple is we're going to launch another branch that we're going to call volume volume matrix and then there's a whole other branch that is high stylization 360 that we're going to be introducing this year as well so that's going to be Interesting. I think. I'm really excited <laughs> to see that. I can see a lot of music videos yes. that will be tapping into this. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, fashion, anything that has to do with stylization, dream sequences, you know. I've been playing with it. I've been playing with that tool set actually for, it's been in development for about 16 months, believe it or not. It's been our pet project because it's very, very difficult math to resolve a lot of the stuff that we're doing yeah. for that branch. So I've been working with it on and off for about 16 months and I'm still excited to play with it. So that's a good sign usually. Yeah, definitely. And this isn't your first venture to creating products to support um, creators. You, you've you had Freeform and, um, and other products for the After Effects environment for Correct. quite some time. Correct. We So the Freeform actually started as necessity for for our for metal we were a service company we we decided early on that we wanted to be a desktop shop and not you know spend insane amounts of money on dedicated systems right as good as the adobe products are they they had some shortcomings basically so we we created freeform because of that we were lucky enough to be bundled in 2008 2010 with After Effects, and that encouraged us tremendously. Um, so we started to create more products. Basically, we brought Freeform into the GPU, made it a lot faster, more feature-rich, uh, introduced Shapeshifter. That did very well for us, and it started 
I guess, the path from a service company towards a product company. But when we decided to to, to dive into 360, that, that changed everything. It yeah. just, you know, the, we had to drop the service business immediately. There was no way to run both. Actually, now I, I, we're always asked to get, embark on projects as a service company. Blair, I can't. We can barely keep up with the product right now, let alone try to, you know, spin off an arm that does service again. That's awesome. Awesome to hear how successful it's been. And it feels like uh, running down a highway that's just building <laughs> as you're running. <laughs> and the possibilities in this medium, it is the start of this journey for all of us. Yep. We're still in the pregnancy of the... <laughs> Absolutely. Now, ask me how many people it took to build... Skybox version one and the plus and the Premier Pro um, offerings. How many people <laughs> did it take to build Skybox one? You're in sitting the down, Blair. <laughs> How many? Three and a half people to wow. build the business to where it was about four or five months ago. Uh, we managed since then. I mean, obviously everything performed well, and we have scaled up engineering, so we're up to about nine engineers right now. But marketing and product development is still two and a half people. It's yeah. myself, Nancy, and an assistant. Nancy is a huge part of the company. With, Absolutely. Um, and the blog that she keeps up today Isn't is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so rich, full of resources, inspiring content as well. Yep. Nancy has a, a she, she guides that along. I wouldn't say she controls it. She more, she guides it. She helps shape it. Uh, she gets people to talk. She she's very good at that. Actually, if if you were at NAB, you'd see that firsthand. She she can extract so much out of you. She's a great interviewer, basically. Right. We need those people who yep. enable us. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She's wonderful. She's done an incredible job. The amount of traffic we get for that blog is unbelievable. Now, After Effects, it's an old friend of yours, yes. isn't it? Yes, it You've is. known it since version one. Yep. Yep. Way back. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Sir. Uh, same with Premiere Pro, same with Photoshop. Actually, I, I did Photoshop-type work before there was a Photoshop. So I I, I go back to the dinosaur age. There's a lot of keyframes and knowledge there. So yeah. it's it's awesome to be so connected to a tool that is, um, you know, all of these tools are the backbone of what we do every day. I guess the commitment that you see in us is also the commitment that we saw from the After Effects team very early on. So, so as a good example, a lot of the people that originally created After Effects are still with Adobe, by the way. That, that's a testament. That's got to tell you something. They're not there just for the money. They've, they've made their money, right? They've, they've, done, they've proven what they need to prove, but they're still there, and they're still yeah. working on the product, right? So, Yeah, um, it's, it's always hard because I've, with the new release... A lot of the feedback is, oh, this doesn't work and this doesn't <laughs> work. I'd really like to shift the community to focus on the tools that the do engineers work. are bringing to us and that do work and enable us. And just as your product enable me to create a piece of content that I just would not have been able yeah. to, these developers who are very much in the background, really passionate about the products that they're producing to enable the creative industry to, to do the work that we are doing. Well, the, the the community has been a little impatient, if I may say so. No, I'm not talking about the 360 VR community, but the VFX has been a little impatient over the past couple of years with After Effects. But without getting into too much detail, there was a lot of work done under the hood that was very, very important. Because keep in mind, this is a product that was created in 1991. 
and you're asking it to do things in the year 2017 that it wasn't really engineered to do. So long story short, um, a lot of the architecture had to be revisited. That's time consuming. So one of the things that I would preach to people that were getting a little impatient is, no, you're not getting new features. Yes, some things are broken, but be patient with the product there's an enormous net benefit that's coming your way. And we started to see it December, November, December 2016. This year, you're going to see a, a, a huge difference in After Effects. So all that hard work is going to start to pay off. Yeah, and that was a direct reflection upon the After Effects product manager was asking the community, uh, I think it was in 2014-15, would you prefer After Effects to be sped up or would you prefer us to develop new features and the community spoke in volume that they wanted speed. to be speed yeah. and that, that was takes steve time. ford by the way yes yeah, steve yep. ford yep. yeah thank you yep. that doesn't happen just overnight no. not when you need a product to keep working for what it's doing right now as well correct but the, the good thing about it again without getting too 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 much technical detail is that it is now a much more modern architecture and can grow properly moving forward so um, I'm excited I have to say um, I, I think speed is one of the best tools because you can iterate more uh, you know deadlines don't change budgets don't really change but if you can do more within that framework all the better right? yeah totally agree yeah. totally now I want to talk about your background in the industry because you came from it as someone who's a creative as a creative director back in the day correct and also you've been involved with a lot of productions. That experience, how has that helped with the launch of Metal and what you're bringing to your customers now? Tremendously. To me, in my, at least in my career, IMAX was my first immersive project. We did IMAX very early on, right? And here you go from, a, I'm, I'm gesturing with my arms, Blair, but you go from a field of view of X and now all of a sudden IMAX has opened up that field of view quite a bit, right? So blocking is much more important. You're, the viewer's eyes tend to wander a little bit more and they have more real estate to deal with, right? So right away, that starts to get a lot more interesting. Then we then then we got involved in projection mapping, right? So more event-based stuff, right? So we were doing, even back then, we started to do a little bit of work with Moment Factory, who's very famous right now, right? Uh, we did some work with uh, Cirque du Soleil and projection mapping. Again, that's a whole other level of interaction, right? Uh, and then Montreal, where we're from, is an incredible, incredible um, resource for, for all that is interactive. We have incredible artists that were doing mind-boggling work even 15 years ago in the space. So, for example, there was um, there was a play that I saw, not a huge venue, a very, very small venue, that that still uh, that left a great impression on me. So what they did is they had actually a live performance, but then behind the scenes they had one of the actors taped, but they're live, right? So it's a live projection in this field of smoke, and this projection is interacting with the live cast. So this is un this is just incredible type of work. So yeah. that that really influenced us, right? Yes, we had. Uh, the duller work, the, you know, the conventional commercial work. But from time to time, we get these, these, these interesting little projects that we could tap into. So that, that sort of helped shape, you know, and, and you understand why we took to, to 360 so, so easily, right? 
it's really bringing a lot more opportunities to create a new medium where the rules haven't been set. People are still very much exploring. And so there's an opportunity for everybody out there to embark on something that hasn't been done before. Oh, absolutely. So when when that, that customer came to us with the 360 project that we delivered on, right, that whole DIY process that I keep talking about, uh, I mean, I had seen so much already in, in flat cinema and broadcast production. I was pretty jaded, I have to say, you know, to, to look at the same thing over and over with a new with a new suit, basically. It's the same task, different suit, different packaging, basically, right? But then this 360 project comes along and I realized that I don't know anything. And that was unbelievable. As I said, a 54-year-old becomes a 21-year-old in a batter, you know, blink of an eye. Yeah. That, that was very exciting. That was, that was something else. Yeah, I'm really, really interested to see what the next couple of years hold. I know that NAB last year was very much VR-focused. Um, this year, I see a strengthening in a lot of the products, but I'm really interested to see the adoption and what comes out of it over the next few years because we are very much still at the start of it. And AR has a huge development still in front of it. Yes, sir. And MR, and for people to even experience this and start to understand it, I think that in time, we're not going to have these terms, just the same as we don't call our, our smartphone That's right. my mini computer. Yep. A lot of these concepts and terms will just fade into the background as the experience has become norm. Yep, I agree. I, I much prefer I much prefer the name immersive media uh, mm. as a as a great umbrella for a lot of this technology. Right, I'm very excited to start. Can't wait to start work on what exactly is storytelling in AR and mixed reality or enhanced reality or whatever we decide to call it. Right, yeah. uh, the, the hybrid between AR and VR. I don't have any answers for that. And that's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Education and and opportunities to experience this will be the key to getting clients to come on board for those of us that are focused on production. And we have to get jobs that are paying the bills and we can play around with this, but we want to turn it into actual production work. Um, so well, you yeah. saw Vimeo uh, launched the uh, 360, their support for 360, and you know they monetize already. So I thought that was a great, great first step towards that. Anybody who lends an ear, uh, I bend their ear about monetization. If they're yeah. in a position to do so and do so in a meaningful way, I think it's important that they step up. Yeah, I'll link to um, the piece that I was talking about that I first produced, which is on my Vimeo account. Yep, it's my great. first Vimeo 360 video. Great piece, sir. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot more to think about when you are doing a um, full 360 VR piece using footage especially. And it, as you said, it, the blocking and viewing everything becomes uh a, a little bit of a hurdle, such as making sure that what's behind the camera is just as interesting as what's in front of it, or sometimes just not having things that you don't want seen. Yep. And so uh, I definitely would recommend the audience get Skybox version 2 and have a play with that because those tools will allow you to address some of that because that's inevitable that you'll come across that. Mm-hmm. And to grab either a small 360 camera is really affordable. It might not have the resolution that you need, but for trialing and figuring out a couple hundred dollars investment to get into this field. I agree. I agree. Even even if it's you're making 90% mistakes the first time. Actually, that's a good thing. It's a very <laughs> good thing. Run at those mistakes hard and fast that's and get right. through them and then move on. Absolutely. 
the other thing that we did with Skybox Studio version two that I'm kind of proud of, we we, we did have we did have doubters. Um, we introduced support for 180, and I think it's great uh, for longer form work, right? And we're going to support uh, stereo 180 as well in the next little while as part of uh, Skybox Studio version two. So to me, that's just again great for long longer form work. No stitching involved, right? So you can just get to that storytelling, which is important. And what it, what's encouraging for me is that there's a lot more players on the audio side, including Adobe. So I'm very proud to say that we were part of that, the influencer group that had moved them towards supporting Ambisonic uh, ingestion in Adobe Premiere Pro. And... Um, I think that's a great validation and a great commitment by Adobe to move forward and build the proper spatial authoring tool sets that are necessary because we hear way more than we see, yeah. right? It's more than 50% of the yeah. final product because Absolutely. we are so much more forgiving with poor image quality than poor audio quality. Yes. And so often it is the thing that um, is thought of after the fact. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I've talked to so many people where if the budgets get tight, the audio is what drops off. It's a shame. And It's and, such a shame. And it should really be the prior, priority. It should be part of your pre-production planning, I think. Yeah. Right? So uh, Walter Murch, when he was doing, uh, if, you, if you go on Vimeo and look up, um, when <coughs> he does a bit of a behind the scenes of the editing process and what was involved in doing Apocalypse Now. Great talk on audio and how much planning he put into that and how much how important and, and it was actually audio becomes a huge character in the movie in and of itself because he thought of it early enough and planned for it so you have these elaborate storyboards in apocalypse now in this wonderful script but you also have these incredible incredible i don't know what they call them uh, i guess planning boards for what the, he wanted to do with the audio side of things even before he started cutting right? yeah and with VR and 360, audio is something that can be utilized as a trigger mechanism, but just fulfilling that full experience of immersion, Yes, that's really key. Great judicious sound design, right? Natural sounding sound design done well will immerse you so quickly. I, I mean, I, I had one project that I was looking at almost two years ago when we started to get serious about this. And I, again, I, I don't demean anybody's project when I say this, but visually it was nothing to write home about. Production value on a visual side, there was it was good, there was, but it was nothing great. But it left me feeling so comfortable and I couldn't pinpoint why. And it was haunting me for months on end. And finally it dawned on me. It wasn't even spatial audio. It was simple panning tricks, but the sound design was so well down, it felt natural. I felt at peace and at home in that environment, and I couldn't figure out why. It was audio. That's really, really interesting to hear. So have you seen some projects where the audio has been a little bit more front of mind and triggering people with the directions? And because we are trying to find new ways of linear storytelling in this 360 but using the audio to guide somebody or to draw them in a way so jonathan and tony that i spoke about with mix master mike what they actually did is they did us they did a mix to the sub pack i don't know if you're familiar with sub pack that's the so it's almost like a body 
um, um, I don't know what to call it. Um, it. It's like a backpack. It looks almost like a backpack, but you actually can author towards it. So the, the latest piece that they did with Mixmaster Mike actually uses the subpack technology. So it's, an, it's a completely different experience from, what, from even listening to it without it, right? Because yeah. the mix is, it, it's taking that into account almost not like a haptic device, but an input device. Right. right. It, it, it's, it's something else. This hasn't come out of the blue. VR has been around for a good 20, 25 years, but yes. has come to maturity as it's sort of gone through that curve of adoption. And so AR is a little bit further behind, but I have no doubt in my mind that this is a really important field for us to be looking at and engaging with. I agree. At Metal, I, I, we're going to start looking at AR in a very, very serious way this fall, right? So that doesn't mean we'll be launching tools. What, I, what I'd like to do, and one of the reasons that I travel so much, is to open up dialogue with people at every level, right? And start to say, you know, what do you see? What what would you like to see as a tool set? What would you, where would you like this experience to go? So it's not necessarily about tools. It's more, give me, give me a use case. Give me what you're dreaming. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you'd love to see. And then we'll figure out how to get there. Basically. Right. With augmented reality, but the opportunities are so enormous because everything has a potential. If it's, going to bring value to the experience as well for sure for yeah. sure so I, I look forward like we saw a couple of um hmds new hmds at ces and and in las vegas in january that were extremely promising i mean the hololens is is very very powerful and it's there's no fiction there it's a real item uh, i was skeptical at first because i come from the world of simulation and marketing right so I'm like, oh, no, this, is, this looks like a simulation to me. It can't possibly be that good. I finally got a chance to go to Redmond and, and experience it for myself. And uh, I have to say, I was very impressed, very, very impressed. Uh, in January, we saw even lighter devices that are, that are built for AR that are close to that quality level already. So I think, I think the end of this year, we're going to start seeing stuff come to market. Yeah, it's really exciting to see all of this equipment from the HMDs, the head-mounted displays, but also all the other equipment becoming more accessible. That accessibility will mean more people will have an opportunity to try this out. And I think that that is just going to be a massive curve of adoption in For our sure. industry. Yeah, For sure. The, the hardware manufacturers are very motivated. We've seen drops in prices already um, I, without picking one, on one or, or picking or, or highlighting one. You know, you bought a GPU this time last year and you paid X for it. This year, one year later, you're paying, you're getting five to six times the performance, if not more, at almost half the price. That's yeah. incredible. That, 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 you know, I'm, I'm happy that these, man, these hardware manufacturers are making money, but I'm even happier that I can produce faster and create faster, right? That's the net benefit for me. <laughs> Yeah, those who are editing and doing motion graphics in 3D definitely can see that with the GPUs that they're upgrading yeah. and the power that that's providing and that the industry is focused on the GPU power at the moment. And interested to see what companies like Otoy will bring to the party as well. A lot of real-time rendering. So there's some exciting things happening and it's a mix of uh, generated content and real-world experiences that are unbelievable and the opportunities for real-time rendering and what that's bringing 
even more use cases that can't be imagined right now are going to start popping up. No doubt. I mean, we've seen we've seen successes um, in branded content in our customer base. We've seen successes. We've seen great changes made at societal level, right? Where people are 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 using VR, three sixty VR, to affect social change, and it's it's just so powerful, so yeah. powerful as a medium. You couldn't do this. A lot of what what our customers are what they're achieving with this medium and and the way they tell their stories in the medium, you can't even do it if you had time on CNN. Quite frankly, we've yeah. seen better results, more more meaningful results in 360 VR than in any money could buy, even by just owning all the all the, the major broadcasters out there. It, it's something else. Yeah, it's something that we have um, also done at my agency, FCB New Zealand, with the New Zealand Fire Service, with the Escape My House that yep. I was showing you earlier, yes. to be able to experience a real house fire and how fast that can go. Basically putting the question, how would you escape your house? And yep. are you ready? And is your family ready, the ones you love? And I think just being in there to start that thought putting you in that environment where you can explore and get a sense of it that if normal cinematic video there's that separation but when you're when you're in there looking around you feel it no doubt no doubt so it it is a very very powerful medium and and you know a lot of people are saying it's difficult to create for i i don't agree i i think storytelling has always had its challenges right I think a medium is there to facilitate, right? So if we think about radio, for example, imagine how powerful radio was in different points in its in its existence, right? So if you go back to Orson Welles and that whole, you know, th- that whole phenomenon when he was doing the War of the Worlds and what kind of havoc that caused, right? Think yeah. of that that's incredible, and that's just somebody with a compelling style and tone on 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 radio you know yeah what can you achieve now with with immersive media that we, that we've got yeah like i said earlier it really is a time for us to understand what's possible and i feel and i've said this on the show before talking about vr we're like the turn of the century where cinema first started yep. And people were sitting in the cinema watching a train come at them and running for the exit because they haven't (laughs) experienced this and they don't know what's going on. You know, it's amazing. Some Some of the things that I've seen firsthand is we chose one piece of branded content to travel with us last year, right? And all these trade shows and all these talks that I would do. And the reason we chose it at first is because it's bringing in a lot of different disciplines. So we had... Um, certain things done in cinema 4D and then uh, there was definitely grading and there was cleanup and there was, you know, every, a lot of things that we, we sort of take for granted as cinematic just made their way into 360 because of our tools and After Effects and Premiere Pro. And then that piece also had a wow factor to it too, right? What was interesting for me is that because I come from advertising and you'll appreciate this, so I'm showing this piece for the right reasons and most of the time, after people experienced this piece in, in HMD, we were traveling with the with the Oculus Rift at the time. What I would get is, can I see that again, please? And this is branded content now, right? Can I see that again? Advertisers dream. Absolutely. I'm like, okay, yeah, you can see, sure, no problem. That sticks with me, right? So I'm, I'm playing, paying closer attention to this now. 
about three weeks later, I'm still getting the same response, but I ask people that have gone through this experience, exactly how long was this piece? And they say, well, I don't know, 30 to 60 seconds. Oh, no, it's four and a half minutes. Wow. You just went through, right? Yeah. So it, you see, it's very, very different and very, very powerful. Yeah. Right? I'm not talking strictly from an advertising perspective, but because you can, you allow yourself to immerse, immerse yourself so much in the piece, it has a profound effect on you, right? Yeah, there's so many opportunities, as you were saying before, about therapy and about social awareness, yep. social causes. There's so much there, but training, the ability Huge. to train in environments that wouldn't be possible and to have that level of immersion. Yep. Um, yeah, I've heard of some really interesting projects for things like um, ship captains avoiding whales, uh, something that you doesn't happen all the time yep. so you you can't train on the job but they want them to definitely avoid them absolutely so the technology like vr enables that in a real way not a taking it out of a simulation and taking it to the next level again there's so many opportunities for um, content to be created but also to to give meaningful experiences that make a difference to everybody for sure one of the projects that I've, that I've cited quite a bit in my talks is a, a project called Francis. And uh, that really touched me, I have to say. So it's it, one of our customers is uh, Fugitive Creatives. Uh, so it's fugitives.tv if you guys are interested in looking at it. And they brought this project to my attention. And it, it, has, it, all, it has to do with mental health issues. What I need you to imagine, Blair, is imagine your children's school teacher. This is a man that you've entrusted with their education. Now imagine that same person is meaningful enough to you that you might invite him to supper from time to time, maybe on a regular basis because he's engaging, he's a great person, you trust him and love him. And as I said, the, your children's well-being or their educational well-being is in their hands. For whatever reason, be it environmental or genetic, this man comes you know, mental health issues come his way. A lot of third world countries, and let's not even pick on third world, even even first world countries are not really equipped to deal with mental health issues. Here's a man who's an incredible asset to your community, and yet he was discarded like yesterday's garbage because people don't know how to deal with it and there's no mechanisms in play to really help. I think this is the type of person that you should support and try to bring back into your community because he's a great asset to your community, right? Instead, this man was physically locked up for years and fed by, you know, by the kindness of his family because they just didn't know how to deal with him. Eventually, the family did, one way or another, they did help him get out of this, this state of being, but it wasn't because of anything else. So what fugitives did is they actually used 360 VR to help tell that story. And this story was told to about 200 delegates. That was the target market. And they chose 360 VR because of the immersion, because of the, the, the empathy that it could bring. So a lot of these people were influencers. They are the people who decided where money went and what was, the good, what was the right cause and what was not. They all walked away with the right action item. That's yeah. incredible. That's just incredible that a medium can do that much, right? Yeah, totally. Another story that was interesting early on when we started is, so we were at VRLA. That's um, VRLA is, um, uh, it started up as a little meetup. I think there are over 10,000 attendees now. 
Um, this was late 2015. We were invited to be um, to share a booth with another um, Freedom 360, you must know, yep. right out of New York. Uh, Jorgen and the gang are really, really nice people. So they invited us to, to share their booth that year. And a couple of chaps came, uh, approached us, I mean, a lot of people approached us, but somebody came up to us and he said, listen, I'm a doctor and I've got a bunch of my buddies and we've got funding and we'd like to do something with 360 VR. They, they're sort of picking my brain. What would you do? And I said, well, and this just came off the top of my head. I said, well, what about chronic pain? I've, ha I've had some experience with that and I chose not to be medicated. I just decided to, that I wanted to deal with it in a natural way. And one of the biggest things that you can do is distraction. So that just flew out of my mouth. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. I said, what about distraction and cr chronic pain? And isn't this medium interesting for that, right? Because now you're, you're, you're immersed, you're, right? And they said, wow, that, that's actually quite, quite interesting, Chris. So I thought, cheap talk, quite frankly. You know, you, you talk to a lot of people, nothing ever happens in, a, in, a, in trade shows, right? Six months later, I get an email that they actually implemented and it's working. That's amazing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And it does feel like it's an industry where things are happening fast yep. and, and are happening. I've heard of another um, similar um, concept with VR for amputees yep. with phantom limb syndrome. Correct. And to help them through that process as well. So, yeah, huge opportunities. And I think there's just going to be more. It's I, not, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, I, we're just at the beginning of all of this. Yeah. And, and when AR starts to get into the mix even more, we're going to see even more and more and more and more creative applica applications and opportunities for yeah. that matter. You've flown over from Vancouver? Well, I stopped over in Vancouver. We're from Montreal. Originally. You're from Montreal? Yeah. Ah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Um, Chris, Chris flew to New Zealand, especially just to see me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did fly into New Zealand to see not only you, Blair, but to see your beautiful city. I'm, I'm very impressed. I, I'd like to come back with my family and spend a little bit of time. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, when you do, give me a heads up. You and bet. I'll um, help you sort of pick some travel. And yeah. um, got a family batch up north. That's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful location, so I'll help hook you up with that. Yeah. But I'm really excited to um, see what happens with metal over the next year. And I'd love to um, catch up for another conversation. It would be even better if you're in New Zealand and we can do it face-to-face -face again. It would be my absolute pleasure, Blair. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Pleasure's all ours, Blair. Thank you. And just ask you guys to check out metal.com. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile trying it out. There's so many resources available to get into it. It's all there. The knowledge is there. I think once you have a, have a try... And it won't take long and you'll see what the real potential. So again, Chris, thank you so much for coming into the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Blair. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. I'd like to ask you a personal favor. Can you please go to iTunes, click subscribe, rate the podcast. You're going to need your iTunes password. It's one of their safety mechanisms. Leave a comment. Give me some feedback. Maybe you want to see a particular guest on the show. Maybe you want to be on the show. If you want to reach out to us on Facebook and have some of those conversations, search for the Pro Video Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Really love to hear from you and get some genuine feedback of what you think about the show and who should be on the show. 
If you'd like the show notes for this episode and all the other episodes, you can find that at worldpodcast.com. As well as this show, you'll find the Social Media Strategy Podcast, Stupid Questions with Scientists, and Fearless Foodie Podcast. There's some great content here, so I really recommend you to go and check out those too. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Blair Walker. Bye.